Welcome to the Program Pod. A production from the RCBC Podcast Network that offers a first-hand perspective from an RCBC student, faculty member, and employer. Hello and welcome to the Program Pod, a production of the RCBC Podcast Network where we take an RCBC program and do a deep dive from three different perspectives, faculty, student, and employer. Thanks for joining the conversation with me, your host, Jay Varga. And for today's episode, we're talking all things communications, which, hey, I'm also a fellow member and graduate from RCBC's communications program with the associates. Today with us, we have Michael Cholsky-Lopez, an RCBC student studying creative writing and business who's benefited from RCBC public speaking courses to overcome his anxiety and increase his confidence both in and outside the classroom. And Michael is joined by his partner, RCBC electrical engineering major, Scott Kubik, who will also share his experience navigating communications classes from the perspective of a student pursuing an outside field. Dr. Erica Osman, RCBC associate professor in speech and Communication Arts and Vice President of the New Jersey Communication Association and Greg Volpe, RCBC Executive Director of Strategic Marketing and Communications and also my boss. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for joining the show, everybody. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yes. Thanks for having us. Yes. So as always, RCBC embraces a student first philosophy and we have two exceptional students and sharing their stories and how to use communications towards channeling different levels of anxiety as well as using communication skills in everyday aspects of life. Mike, Scott, welcome to the show as we just said, but can you please tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you met and how you came to uh, enroll at RCBC? So we first met at a uh, gaming convention called uh, Awesome Games Done Quick. Uh, it's a speedrunning convention where people basically play through games as fast as they can. Uh, it's like sort of a muscle memory thing where they just go at the same game over and over and over again. Like personally, I speedran Animal Crossing, which, yeah, it's a real speedrun. <laughs> um, and I did like, I don't know, probably 1,200 attempts of it uh, throughout my time. Uh, but we ended up meeting at the convention and uh it took a couple of conventions we would just like talk offline and whatever and after like the second or third convention we went to we just kind of hit things off and uh we started dating and um i basically like got kicked out of my house when i was uh 18 and so i i kind of dropped out of school i went and got my ged and moved to new jersey to uh come live with him where'd you and where'd you move from I moved from Colorado. Okay. I was going to Pomona High School in Arvada. Quite a different perspective from New Jersey to, or from Colorado to New Jersey. Oh yeah, but <laughs> honestly, drivers here are way better. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hard to believe, but yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, I mean, we've yeah we've been together for six years now. It's been pretty good. And uh, for the record, I sp- I did uh, Super Mario speed runs. You know, <laughs> Super Mario World. You know, Super Nintendo stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it was just it was a random, you know, chance of fate. And it really worked out for, for both of us, I feel. So how do you guys end up here at RCBC? So uh, he for, he grew up in Long Branch, which is, you know, uh, Jersey Shore area. Uh, we started both going to Brookdale, but we kind of like, uh, we're moving around a little bit. And um, it took some time for us to figure out what we really want to do in uh, college. So we ended up moving down here because uh, I got like a job opportunity to have like a full-time job. And I worked there for a little while. And... I decided that I wanted to go back to school because I just, I, I wasn't having the full-time job thing and it was just miserable. So uh, I started trying to follow my passion, which uh, has always been working on like computers and whatever. So I I was like, it's kind of stupid that I was going to school for like chemistry or whatever when that had nothing to do with any of my interests. And he was going to, uh, he was already going here at RCBC because I mean, we moved down here. We couldn't get uh, get up to Brookdale anymore. So also because Brookdale um, first went there, they I was told that I could do an degree in, a degree entirely online, 
because actually until this past semester, I had not gone to an in-person class since 2008. So I was excited to do my degree online, but then when I was nearing the end of my degree, I was informed that the program just didn't exist. Like, it, it, they stopped doing it, so I had to go in person, so I was kind of annoyed by that, and so I was looking for better schools, and then since we moved out to Burlington County, I was like, well, no, let's not give, let's, why not give this a try? And then I saw how beautiful the campus was, and I don't know, I just was drawn to it, so I was like, yeah, let's, let's give it a good old college try, pun intended. Did you not want to go in class because of anxiety? Yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of I kind of dropped out of school uh, in my I want to say it's been so long. <laughs> it's like sophomore or junior year because it got too bad. Like I would have panic attacks in class. I was bullied a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was hard for me to go in class and I would I was skipping a lot. And eventually I, I bided my time until I was 16 and I dropped out. And then, you know, because they couldn't force me to go at that point. And I tried to get my my G I tried to get my GD back then. But there was there was a lot of stigma and my my. My grandmother, who was my uh, caretaker at the time, refused to let me get my GED back then. So I just didn't until a, f a few years ago. So now you come here to RCBC. Yeah. And what's the first in-person class you take? Public speaking. Okay. That makes a lot, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Right? For someone who has anxiety, you want to take public speaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, funny enough, you could actually take it online, but there's a lot more effort. And it's one of those things where I'm like... I, you know, why not bite the bullet and try to, you know, get that get that out. Like, try and see if it could help me in some way. I kind of feel like public speaking also has to be in person. It doesn't have to be. but nope, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Okay. <laughs> so you say you're to correct me. But uh, Dr. Osmond, is this normal, though, for someone with anxiety picking out a public speaking course? This just cracks me up. You know, this is how we connected the three of us because this is almost unheard of to have such levels of high anxiety. And then of, out of all the courses that we offer here to say, I'm going to go to the class mm -hmm. that caused, causes me so much anxiety. That's brave yeah. to do. It's, it's unheard of. And it's not, I know you have the option of an online course or an in-person course, or today we even have virtual live, but you know, when you were taking it, it's not that the online course is harder. Mm -hmm. The logistics is put on the student finding that live audience and getting that all together. And so sometimes that could be difficult for certain students. But it's a really interesting, you know, case study to even look at, right? Yeah. How somebody with such anxiety would willingly walk into a class that most students wait to the last semester to take, which I never understand because it's a fun class, right? right. Well, no, I love that right? class. <laughs> it's yeah. a fun class. And when they leave, that's that's the attitude change at the end. When people leave, they're like, I didn't think this was going to be like this. I really enjoyed this class because, you know, I think students forget one, it's a fake learning environment, right? So people are, people are encouraging. People want you to respond the way that they responded. So they're, you know, they're clapping for you. They're giving you tips. You're meeting friends. We're not a stuffy classroom where students are just sitting and, you know, getting lectured at. It's a really hands-on class, whereas a teacher, you're more a facilitator right. of these little workshops, trying to break down some of those walls and anxieties that students come in with, which is difficult. And the fact that, he, you know, that Mike came every day, you showed up, that's a huge 
accomplishment when you have such anxiety. And I don't think people give that enough credit. So that's a brave thing for him to well, have It was done. kind of a struggle to get him to go to class. <laughs> but you I, did. I, I, you got him. I, I forced him. I would I'd be like, no, I have class. We're getting up. Let's go. And So how do you think, you know, taking Dr. Osmond's public speaking course help you guys channel your anxiety? Well, for me, I'm... I mean, me personally, I don't really have anxiety about public speaking. I, it's definitely the onus is on him for all that. Like <laughs> he, he absolutely hates it, but I mean. But you had a role, right? So yeah. you kind of think about that. You had a role. You came as the support yeah. right. to make sure that he walked through the door. And naturally what happened, that whole little group you sat with on the yes. side at the end of the class, you're giving them Christmas gifts and baking for them. So that encouragement like naturally starts to form when you just show up, right? That's the biggest thing is oh, just yeah. showing up. And he was like, when we when we were first signing up for the classes, he was like, I'm not taking this class unless I can take it with you. And so <laughs> we had to make sure that my schedule could fit with his schedule so that he could show up to the class. Because I mean, that was the only in-person class he's taken and I don't think he's going to take another one, right? Yeah, I mean, but now I'm not too scared if I have to. Right. It was a nice, uh, I would say it's a nice, preparation because you had to do a lot of speaking in that class, obviously public speaking, but I would say just the confidence that it teaches you, it, it, that, that's very important I would, to say, I would say, the confidence because uh, Dr. Osman, part of her, uh, so, the, the syllabus, I guess you would say, or like the course requirements is that she would have us, um, she did like an exercise where we all had to like stand up and make like a silly pose or whatever, and everybody clapped, but, and at the end we were like, say, then we were told, well, what were you thinking when somebody else was doing their pose and it was like, I was thinking about how I don't want to do this pose. So it was like a thing of people aren't thinking about you as much as you think about yourself. And that's important because my anxiety manifests as extreme paranoia. Like I always feel no matter where I am, I feel like everybody is looking at me and dissecting me. So to do that exercise, it made me feel so much like much more comfortable than I ever could have been in that class because of that, that uh, experiment. Right. And it's kind of amazing how much anxiety or public speaking fears and instilled almost everybody, you know, I mean, for, for someone that you were terrified, but even myself, like I, you know, I majored in communications. I went out and did brought, commercial broadcasting. I was in the public doing a lot of this stuff, but yet here I am teaching at RCBC and I would start getting almost a panic attack or an anxiety before speaking to my class, mainly for the first time, but even a couple of times uh, to get over it. I would have to walk around the building just to kind of get a couple of breaths and, and psych myself up. And I don't know why, I don't know where the fear came from and stuff. But as soon as I started talking two minutes in, I was fine. I was good to go. But it was like, but that fear getting up and, and getting ready to go. And I'm the one teaching to the class. You know, I'm the one. So it's, it's so normal. People don't realize how normal it is to have, you know, what is anxiety? It's extra energy. Right. How are you going to use that extra energy? Extra energy could bring excitement to a speech. It could also run you. You have to stay in control of that energy. But, you know, we've, we speak about this in the class, but public speaking, anxiety, or any anxiety and intelligence have nothing to do with each other. You could be a super, super, super smart person. And when that anxiety hits, if you allow it to take over you instead of you having control of it, you're not going to be successful. So it's about even what you said, like, why does, why do, why was I so nervous? Right. I'm teaching the class. I'm the expert up there. Why the am I so one, yeah. nervous? Nerves are not necessarily a bad thing. When we don't care then maybe you wouldn't be nervous, but you cared about the reaction. Yeah, so there's absolutely. a little more at risk there. And one of the things that we speak in, about in the class is changing that mind frame, right? Where 
we don't look at a speech as something dreadful, but we look at it as an opportunity. When do you have an opportunity of people sitting quietly, willing to give you the floor to hear what you want to say? That's power, right? So you really need to think about something that's important, that has value, that you could almost, you know, kind of think of it as I'm gifting this thing, this idea that I have to the audience who's in front of me. And yes, they're going to judge us. And students are always scared that I'm going to be judged. But they should be judging you because if they're not, you're not engaging them. Right. So there, there has to be this common understanding that an audience member will be respectful and be willing to listen, but that at the same time, at the end of the day, we're going to respect if they're going to accept or reject our message Right. Right. But if they're judging me, they're listening to me. So it's a whole you have to shift the way you see those scary things, because as a speaker, you know, I I read nonverbals. Right. So I always say if I could have another if I can live in another lifetime and have another career, I'd want to be like a behavioralist or something. (laughs) I like reading people, but I read people. And when I see them judging, they're thinking something through. Something I said made them think. And that's what public discourse is about. It's that exchange of ideas. And it's a mindset. And when you could respect that and have, like, the general ground rules, it's not as scary as people think it is, right? And we tend to show up because avoiding, just like anything else, the more you do it, the better you'll become at it. Absolutely. Right? So getting kids there, getting anyone there, that's that's the challenge. Well, then you also have like, you know, the the dreaded Rate My Professor website. And then Ugh. for <laughs> Professor Osmond, they're like, she's such a harsh grader and she it's, it's so hard. Uh, like I had to drop the class because I was so scared. And I'm like, I don't know. I found that class to be so easy. It was just like, write your little your little script and then (laughs) do your research. And honestly, the thing that I was the most scared of was if I, if I saw other people like, you know, slowly pulling up their phone to see if they could like not pay attention while you're doing your, your speech, because like people not caring is way worse than people being engaged in Mm -hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. You felt like you lost the the room or the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It felt pointless at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, well, why am I even up here? But so how, you know, again, you talk about the fear and and channeling or not fear. It could be the energy and all that stuff. What are some good ways for people to, that that might be having their anxiety one way or the other to, before they're getting into a public speaking, Dr. Osmond, do you have? Yeah. So you, you mentioned one of them movement, right? You could look at athletes before there's something you care about and you want to have, a good outcome of whatever that is, just a little bit of movement to get your, to be in the moment, yeah, right? If we right. move, we're not trying to memorize what we're saying. It's more conversational. We teach extemporaneous speech courses. So that means they're not manuscript. They're not word for word. They're not impromptu. They're very well planned, but in a very conversational way. So it's more like a business speech com type of vibe that you're getting. You want to connect with your audience. The biggest, biggest part of public address is human connection. So you have to find a way to connect with them, which means you need to be in the moment so that it's real and you come across authentic, right? Um, another thing you could do, we, we actually watch a TED Talk in my class by um, Amy uh, 
uh, Cuddy. She does research in power posing. Power posing is really an interesting concept, and it tends to work. It's when you try to make yourself very large, very big, right? So think about like when they say like if you're getting attacked by an animal, like make yourself big, right? And maybe they'll go away. <laughs> so <laughs> this concept is to stay in your office or to go into a bathroom and you know, pose in a very powerful way before you walk into whatever that high stakes um, situation is. And that should kind of ease you, right? You're going in with a greater confidence. There's also research that shows just thinking about things that are happy, happy times in your life. It just eases that heart rate that you might have, that sweating feeling. And then, of course, just doing it. The more we do something, and that's part of Amy Cuddy's um, research, which is real interesting. She really believes, and I agree with her, the fake it till you make it philosophy. Fake it till you make it, right? So the first time you taught a class, you might have thought, oh, do I really belong here? Am I as good as my peers? Mm-hmm. Right. And the next time you taught a class, you might say, well, that didn't go that bad. Let me try again. And you still might feel uncomfortable saying, you know, I'm a professor. Right. But eventually, if you keep faking it, you become it. Right. And the whole thing of power posing and faking till you make it is one, that power posing is self talk to yourself. And Two, the fake it till you make it is that idea that if you do something enough, you become that something. And so, you know, the great example that I always give is when I got my doctorate degree, you feel like a fake, right? You're like, I teach a, a very soft skill kind of concept. I'm not an engineer. I'm not some great philosopher. Who am I to say Dr. Osmond? Like it's to this day, it's odd. But with time, you realize, no, I've earned that. So you fake it until you become that. And then one day you just kind of wake up and you're like, I do have this expertise. I have something that I can offer my students. And I take my job really, really seriously because I feel really fortunate to do what I love. And not everybody gets the opportunity to do what they love. So Mm -hmm. I'm very, very like well aware of being fortunate like that. But when I go into a classroom and I work with students, I feel like I'm really giving them something they can apply that day in every other classroom. When they go on interviews, when they're in their private life, whatever it is that they're doing, what we teach, even if it's just the confidence to know you can do something, that we're that I'm giving that to you. That's that you know, like I said, every speaker has to have a gift. That's the gift, right? Is that thing that that tangible thing that you could go and use. So It's a combination of just getting people to do it, do it, do it, believe in yourself and fake it till you make it and eventually you'll become it. And the skills you you teach, they're they're used by all those professions that you cited. Yeah. I mean, everybody. I I tell people all the time, if you don't major in your, I think majoring in communications for undergrad is such a great idea because so many people today go to graduate school, right? We need grad school for so many fields. And so maybe at that point, then you go off a different way or if you are doing your undergrad in something maybe you minor in communications, but try to get that soft skill comm courses in there. Because no matter what you do in life, you have to present. You know, even if you're you want to go into computers, mm-hmm. you're a creator. 
Well, what do you do when you create something? You have to sell that thing. Right. Right. I, I think it's so important. Like my dad is a uh, ceramics engineer and he has uh, people who work under him who cannot talk to save their life. But then he's this great presenter. So he keeps moving up in the company because yeah. he can sit there and explain exactly what his process is, why it should be, why the company should go with it. And uh, they can move forward with that because they, he got the concept to them. If you don't have that concept and you're just holding all the information in and you refuse to share it with anybody, no one's going to know what yeah. you're thinking. No one's going to know how to sell it. Yeah. I was going to say part of, um, I wanted to add on to what Dr. Osmond said, which is that about the imposter syndrome and the reason why I ultimately decided that I definitely wanted to do it in person is because I've actually, I've actually created stuff. I've, I've written books and I've been at conventions and I was never, I've never felt comfortable taking a role. There people were coming up to me asking me for, you know, to talk to me at wanting me to sign stuff and there were panels, but I never felt comfortable doing it because I felt the imposter syndrome and I also felt the anxiety about speaking. So I really wanted to take that course to get over that a bit, or at least be able to adapt to it better. And I feel like it did help. It, it made me think about things in a different way and it really did help. And, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not just, you know, being a kiss up here because she already graded me. I'm <laughs> done with the class, but I feel like out of all the classes I've taken in my entire college career, public speaking was was probably one of two classes that I actually learned something I will retain for the rest of my life. Yeah, and you're both bringing up two really good points. One is what you just said, Mike. You don't have to love it, right? We talk about this on the first day of class. I remind everybody, my job is not to make you love speaking. My job is to make you competent in it. There's a lot of things we don't love that we do. I do not like to fly. I don't love it. I'm never going to love it. But I do it because sometimes you need to do it to get where you're going. Well, same thing in a professional setting. Sometimes you need to do it to get where you're going. What's the gift that you're, you know, you brought your dad up? What's the gift that he's giving? He's giving vision. That's leadership. Mm -hmm. So no matter what field you go into, if you could present well and organize your thoughts well and do it, not necessarily love it. It's great if we love it, but if we could do it, you will always position yourself in a better spot, right, to advance because you'll be seen as a leader. It's And it's a very competitive world. So it's job security. When you could say, I can organize my thoughts and I could share vision with people and I could do that effectively, you have now separated yourself from the rest of the pack. And for young people who are trying to get into the working world, when they can add that into the conversation when they are having interviews, that's something as somebody, I'm sure Greg will will talk about this, but that's something when you're deciding who you're going to hire or not hire, that's impressive when someone could come in and say, I could get people to follow me. Like I inspire people. I could get, you know, your vision out to people so that people aren't just creating these great things. And then what do you do with them? Right. Right. Well, actually, that's a great way to finally tie in, Greg. How you been, bud? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, make sure you're still around over there. Um, so, as we know, again, Greg Volpe, also my boss since the podcast run or falls under the communications department itself, but he is the RCBC Executive Director of Strategic Marketing and Communications. So, Greg, what was your path to landing, you know, your current position here at RCBC? And can you kind of go over some of the daily uh, duties as director? Sure. But before I do, I just want to congratulate Michael and Scott first on their bravery for everything they've confronted in their life and also for sharing their story today. I, I just love and I'm always inspired when I hear about students finding themselves at RCBC. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So how I got into this chair growing up, I could do two things. Well, I could write and play music. And when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, writing seemed more secure, more like the real job. Got attracted to journalism, had an awesome 
mentor at college, uh, the late great Dr. Robert Cole. Um, some of the things that uh, that Dr. Osmond mentioned too. I never understood what he saw in me until I started editing on the college newspaper and saw my writing compared to others. And I kind of clicked in that, yes, I could separate myself from the pack that way. Um, yeah, so I just loved hard news and that's what I was going to do. I started out that way, had a 10-year career in journalism, uh, which, as we all know, was kind of faded by the wayside, uh, segued a little bit into uh, government, uh, political public relations. Um, fortunately, this great job at Rowan College of Burlington County became available, and it's just awesome. Like, it's working with students is such an exceptional part of the job. Um, you know, at, f- faculty get to do it so much more than we, than Jay and I get to see, but, you know, it's just, it's just it's great. It's a privilege, right? Because yep. you have a direct impact on someone's life. That doesn't happen a lot on their life when they're trying to figure out what they want their life to be. So it's a it's a big responsibility. Cer- certainly. So yeah, we we met with someone last week, a student. She was a psychology major looking to get into the communications. So the whole team met with her, and it was just awesome to be able to like give some advice. And so speaking of advice, though, what you know, what advice would you give students looking to enter this field? And, you know, kind of how to market themselves to some prospective employees. Um, I, I think number one, you need thick skin. Everything yeah, we do is that's for sure <laughs> is out there for the public to see, criticize, and people are not shy with with their opinions. So. That is true. Not, <laughs> not in the social days, not in the social media ways as well. So yeah, and and adaptability. I mean, we we're we're like on year three of COVID now. It's every day is a little different. Our lives changed three years ago, and they continue to change. Every day. So, so much of what we do now is COVID communication. I mean, Dr. Osmond and I have interacted a couple times on, you know, how, how we're communicating to the college about just uh, policies, procedures, just things like that. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because, you know, when people hear how we're communicating to the college, they don't realize what a huge task this is. You have to think of this as an organization, right? So one side is, of course, learning classes, but the other side of a college is business, right? So think of it as an organization and think of how large that organization is when you really sit back and think about a college. And Greg's job is to make sure that all of everybody's getting the same message. Think about in our little class, just trying to get, you know, the same message across when you were a kid in that telephone game. And by the time it got to the last person, now think about his job, different campuses, many, many people, you know, high level people, low level people, everything in between and having that consistent message. So think about how much strategic planning and thought process and word choice and making sure you never offend anybody in that writing. Think about how difficult that is. I don't envy you at all. <laughs> and, and our customers too, they're not like transactional. We're not selling you a yep. cup of coffee. You're here for a while. You're invested in us. You're part of the community. So and the thing is too, is like, you know, we're, we're in the marketing meetings like every week and we're trying to figure out what's the best way to get these messages out to like the cohesion. But we have such a, an age discrepancy too here at the, at the, for the student body, but even just for faculty and employees. So, and everyone has their different social platforms and how they would get their communications through email, Facebook, Instagram, all, all the different TikTok and stuff. I still don't even know how to use TikTok. My wife uses it all the time, you know, but there's so many different ways. And, and that's the thing about communications. It kind of gets also ties into technology too, is you have to stay with the times and continue to get that, uh, that kind of message out. Right. Absolutely. No, right. That's why we're 
podcasting these days. Yeah, that's the other, that's our new medium because everyone's podcasting. We were talking about a little bit off, uh, especially during during COVID. Uh, some of the instructors I knew were, were making students go back and download podcasts and report back on them because it was, you know, it's a non-contact, right? You can have your social distance through a podcast, but you still get your educational lectures, you know, that way. I mean, Mike Scott, you guys listen to podcasts? Uh, I mean, when I was working my crappy 40-hour-a-week <laughs> job, I literally listened to every podcast I could find on my pocket cast app. I think I have like 140 days listened or something like that. It's wow. ridiculous. And I resisted for so long, but you can only listen to the same several albums over and over before you need something <laughs> different. So yeah, now I'm unfortunate. Well, I guess not unfortunately because I've learned some stuff, but yeah, I'm a podcaster. And, and look at where you are. You're on a podcast. Yep. Somebody with anxiety like that. Talk about faking it till you make it, right? Put yourself in every situation. Talk yourself up in the mirror. Uh, you know, I can do this. I am this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go and do this thing. Right. That's what you're doing right yeah. now. I think it's, it's an insane story. Like I love this story because it's so unheard of and I'm running a conference in March and they're both going to be on a panel with me yeah. who in a million years thought right, when he said to you, I'm going to take this class yeah. <laughs> in yeah. person would think that he would even be willing to sit with us today. And so I said, talk about the 10 year challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michael even said that he, you, you said you struggled with going on the panels for your writing, which was a yeah. passion of yours. I was, n I never was able, I was offered many times and I turned it down and I regret it now. And that's, you know, it's terrible to have regrets, but I regret not standing on the panel because I mean, writing a book is not easy. People think it's easy. It's not. And it's a big deal. And I was able to, sh I was, you know, offered to be able to speak about that. And I, I wish I would have, cause it's, I should, you know, I was, I should have been proud for it and wanting to speak to it, but I just couldn't get over that anxiety. I mean, you were reviewed in USA today. There's yeah. no reason oh, that you should cool. be like uh, scared about what you've done. Anxiety is terrible. What was That's that, what was that review for? Um, it was for one of my, one of my novels. For the novels. Awesome. Yeah. Look at that. He's writing it down. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, Greg is coming. Success story coming. Here we go. A Angela will be in touch. <laughs> so actually, um, I was going to bring it up in a little bit, but the conference itself, what, what is this conference? You know, how can people? Uh, yeah. So it's the New Jersey Communication Association. We have a yearly conference. It's really interdisciplinary. And this year, I think this is fitting. It's really um, ideas around civility is the main theme. But, you know, that that's far and wide. So one of the um, panels like we're going to be sitting on is going to be about course design. And we're talking about how do we make course design so that students aren't so anxious. A lot of times if every teacher does something different, students could be very anxious. When you have somebody like Mike who's already anxious, this could cause people to withdraw. It cause people just not to show up, right? So just like anything else, you need them to show up. But if if navigation becomes such a roadblock, sometimes that doesn't happen. So that's one of the things because, uh, you know, that's one of the topics that we'll be talking about because that goes into civility because sometimes when that doesn't go right, there's some conversations that don't go right after that, right, on the student side. So um, really anything communication-based, which is everything. Yeah. There's, no, there's no discipline in this school that doesn't have to communicate their thoughts. So it's a nice little small conference, a statewide conference. It's with four and two-year schools. Due to COVID, we are moving it 
fully online this year. It's free to students. So we're really hoping that students will log in and see what do teachers do on the weekend? If you want to get into <laughs> academia, right. there's more than just teaching your classes. And it's, you know, talking about your passions. And then, again, we could research our passions. We could have our own ideas behind our passions. But if we don't share them with people, pedagogy never changes. Education stays still. So that's a big, big part of my field, right, is making sure that classes remain engaging and interesting. And the only way to do that is to sh the sharing of ideas. It all goes back to communication. So anything that anybody, you know, if students have anything to offer, if professors have anything to offer, um, we, you could, you know, you could put a proposal in. And I think, Greg, you, did you, did, you guys did put the uh, information on if it's not, we will. I believe it is. I believe it's on our website. And that was my follow-up question for Greg. Yeah. yeah we're going to, I'm sure it'll be out there on our social channels, maybe even TikTok. I don't know. But, <laughs> <you> know. <laughs> um, but, you know, Mike Scott, I guess because of Dr. Osmond's public student course, you guys are ready for this panel now, right? Oh, well, I think so. It <laughs> uh, was that confidence at? Uh, I'm, I'm excited because like, I think it, I'm, I'm viewing it as more like it adding more tools to my repertoire. Like I want it's like a stepping stone to get better at speaking on eventual, because I do want to speak at panels at writing conferences. Sure. I think this is going to help me better, you know. Yeah, I think so. And, and it's just great, again, going back to the whole uh, concept of this episode is not just necessarily anxiety, but it's the communications and the broadband field that is communications. And we're talking about you're getting a creative writing, you know, you're teaching it right here. I'm doing some of the podcasting and I had a radio background. Greg's uh, doing all the communications for the college and all that's that material that's kind of going out there. But uh, Dr. Osman or uh, Greg, did you guys want to kind of add to maybe, you know, someone's listening right now, this thing about getting into communications, kind of, you know, other various employment opportunities or what kind of communications career can bring? Sure. And going back to that conversation we had with the student, and this goes along with the lines with what Dr. Osmond was saying about how communication is inherent in any position. It's also inherent in any kind of sector, field, company. If mm -hmm. a good communicator can be hired just about anywhere. Every company has either a social media arm, internal communications, external communications. You have a lot of options with communications. Absolutely. Corporate training, teaching, writing, um, people who go into law, a lot of times they'll minor in communications. Obviously, they're going to be better at their job if they could yeah, persuade. Of course, yeah. uh, th there's no job that I could think of that doesn't use these skills, which is why it's so funny to me that when people hear communications, right, as a fellow, fellow communications people, they almost poo-poo it, right? Like, oh, that's easy, soft skills. But there's a lot of people who are not good at those soft skills. Right. And you use them every single day in every facet of your life, right? In your personal life, in your civic responsibilities, your professional life. It's used everywhere. And we really don't put as much of an emphasis as you know, society probably should put on communication skills. And yet, if you look at research and you, you look at new employers and you say, what is the thing that people should have that they don't have enough of coming out of college? They go, oh, we need better communication skills. And people spend millions and millions of dollars a year on professional development to try to catch people up, which should tell you that it's, a, it's something you can market yourself with. It's sellable. And we also offer it here at RCBC for employers at no often at no cost to them through our workforce development programs. Excellent. Yeah, it's such an underrated skill. 
itself. Uh, does anybody else like to add anything before we go to wrap it up? I'm sure we can talk a long time. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. No, I, I just say I think that personally, if you're going to be taking a public speaking class, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. I really think that you should take it in person, especially because one of the requirements is like find eight people to be in like a Skype call with. I don't know eight people. <laughs> they're not going to listen to a six minute speech. And I really would recommend taking Dr. Osmond's class because again, she already graded me. So, you know, not kissing. Off, but she is, she is amazing. Thank like you. she really there, you know, she never, I've never seen her like dismiss somebody. She always, helps you find what you're trying to say and she's always very just respectful and you know encouraging and that and that is a lot you know I look for that in a teacher oh I should have gave you like 10 more points or something. <laughs> 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 right no but uh, um you know I don't want to discourage people from taking an online course or a virtual live course because you didn't take it so you don't know how that course that works fair. but right. today that a lot of meetings are done through computers, right? So companies save money by not sending you places, COVID. And so learning in that realm is good for certain types of people, mm -hmm. right? I'm glad you took the course in class because with that high anxiety, you might have not logged on as often. Yeah. It's easier to avoid, right? But for other people who maybe have some experience and don't mind that kind of setting and see value in it because of what they're professional goals are or what they're doing that could be a really good course as well and yeah. if i recall correctly i can't remember the student but i know that someone has said they've taken their online speech course with you and they were, they were raving about it oh thanks that's nice to hear <laughs> not the one person i was rating right <laughs> i was like that rate that professor yeah. they don't know what they're talking about yeah well, you said show up but i, I also again uh, back up with the whole public speaking though i think it is one course among many courses in communications like you said you don't have to be studying and majoring in communications even like you were scott right but um it, it's such a advantageous where you get out there into the career field itself to be able to communicate with everybody else and, and it was something i always told my students that were in uh taking radio production and teach them how to do public service announcements and communications or producing the commercials now you're still behind the scenes and you're working with audio consoles in a single room and stuff but i felt public speaking because you're eventually gonna have to get out there you might have a book to sell you got to sell yourself to you know to the listenership if you want to get out there and broadcasting and podcasting and such but either between that and acting i felt like uh example with character development but the public speaking course is such a, a tremendous course to take and it's not that scary. scary. It's not. It's not. They all <laughs> like it when they leave. Right. Yeah. And that's all, I think it's all props for you right, right there. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it here for this episode of the program pod. And I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I want to thank our guests again today, RCBC students, Mike Lopez and Scott Kubik, Dr. Eric Osmond, RCBC associate professor and speech and communications arts and vice president of the New Jersey Communication Association. And of course, Greg Volpe, RCBC executive director of strategic marketing and communications. Again, everybody, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having, thanks for having us. Yes. Yeah. All right. So again, I'm Jay Vargan. If you'd like to learn more about RCBC's programs, visit rcbc.edu and also be sure to subscribe to the program pod on any platform where you get your podcast and looking at you there, Scott, too. Add to your 140 listens or whatever it was. Right? And if you're feeling kind today, of course, give that five-star review. Smash that like button, as they say. Right? And then until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks.